0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Elevate Your Bookings podcast by Guesthook. Um Really excited to be back in the fold here. I think we have some interesting developments going on. So first of all, how are you doing, Alessandra?
1: I'm doing very well. How about you, Conrad?
0: Good, good. I think uh, a lot of changes, both maybe good and bad and maybe mm-hmm. somewhere in between. So a lot to talk about. So we're recording this uh, towards the tail end of May, which is a little bit after Airbnb announced a lot of these large updates to their platform. Brian Chesky was very how should we say he was very eager to talk about how large these updates were. I don't know if the uh, stake matched the sizzle personally, but what's your take on it? Maybe first we can start by recapping what these changes were when they were announced and just kind of give folks an overview, and then we can dive into each individual category.
1: Okay, so these changes were, what was it now, over a week ago? Is it over a week ago? Time flies by at at this point. (laughs) So it was over a week ago, and, you know, they focused on three main things, right? So they focused on the categories, which was gonna be the biggest change, the split stays, and the air cover. So, you know, if we go into the categories, they now have 56 categories. But to my understanding, I read why this change, what he was thinking, Chesky was thinking about with this change, and he was saying, um, the focus was more to move, to compete more than on just price and offer something unique but you know when you think about it how did airbnb start conrad how did it start
0: well i think the start was the really about home sharing that's the origins of airbnb when you think about it so in a way those were unique experiences but not really the way they're pushing it today Mm -hmm. right
1: right so that's the the my thought process is Sure, there are a lot of very unique properties, but what about those that aren't that unique? You know, the ones that are just an apartment or just a condo or, you know, not everyone's going to have a yurt or some, you know, fancy property. That's, I think that's more of a smaller percentage. So I think that's going to be maybe one of the biggest problems. What happens with those hosts? at this point.
0: So here's my take on it. I believe that what Airbnb is doing, where they talk about their really unique kind of jaw-dropping properties, is I think this is similar to how Nissan does marketing. Mm-hmm. So Nissan makes a lot of cars, right? The majority of what they make or the majority of what they sell, I guess I should say, is the more economical cars, right? Like they sell Versas or, you know, they sell, you know, kind of standard four-door, four-door sedans. right? But what Nissan loves to market and advertise is their kind of fun, more exciting sports cars, right? So if you look at Nissan ads, they feature cars that are faster or for a long time they've had the GTR and they use the GTR in a lot of their advertising. They're re-releasing the Nissan Z, you know, I think either this year or next year because these are kind of fun. You know, sexy, exciting sports cars. So that's kind of my take on it. I think when Airbnb talks about these really unique properties, like if you look at their ads, they don't show that standard two-bedroom, three-bedroom house, right? They don't show that standardized condo, because I think they want people to get excited about the possibilities of Airbnb. Then when they get on the platform, though, what do a lot of folks end up picking? They, they end up picking kind of the more normal properties. So that's my take on it. That's how I feel Airbnb's marketing is. It's kind of akin to a car dealership or a car brand, advertising and marketing their sexy, exciting, fun sports cars. But then they know most people are going to come in and buy the, the Honda Civic, if you will, instead of the more exciting stuff that they have to offer. So I don't know what your take is on it, but that's what I think of as an analogy to the Airbnb world right now with these properties As I think of the car brand
1: world. I mean, that makes sense. I think the only issue, again, is how are those little guys going to be more visible now that, you know, if you're looking you're doing a search, you're going to see all these unique properties is what you're going to see mostly right there in your face. <laughs> So that is that is just a, the thing that I'm constantly questioning is what is this doing for the regulars? And if we look at the categories, I don't know if you you have that up, but if you see the categories, you know all the categories, you know we have a frames, we have um, grand pianos. I mean, I don't think that many people have grand pianos in their homes <laughs> or an earth home. Or, um, you know, the historical homes, I think a lot of, some people have that. Tree houses, towers, I really don't know what that is, what's a tower? <laughs> Do you know what that yeah. is?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can I say the lighthouse? Like, that's what I want, Like <laughs> just just right. a lighthouse. I think that's an office bit where Stanley's like, I just want to live in a decommissioned lighthouse, you know? That's, right, right. Maybe that's, so, maybe that's what towers
1: are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these categories are a little funny and strange. I mean, not that many people are going to have some of these things. But then again, It's also good because they were, for example, they do have that vineyard category. So now that's making it easier. For example, if you're looking for a wine tasting, before you had to choose a location, like you had to think of a location that had the wine tasting, but now you can find properties if you click on the category that are located near wine tasting. So now you can choose from different locations and different places that will have these vineyards, which that's a cool thing. I think that's a different, thing that we could do now, which before, you know, you'd have to pick like Napa or something like that. But now you can kind of see different areas and maybe something you didn't think of before. So I think that's kind of cool. I don't know. I'm just 50-50 on this, I guess. (laughs) I'm 50-50. (laughs)
0: The the idea of discovery, I think, is one that makes a lot of sense to me, like you're describing. Like if you Mm -hmm. truly are going on Airbnb and you truly don't know where you want to go, I think these new categories can be kind of fun because you click in there, you know, you're able to see really diverse sets of properties geographically. You know, you can see stuff that I never would have searched for personally. You know, even something I'm into, right? Put golf in there and I'll see, Mm -hmm. I'll hear about courses or see homes near courses that I've never heard of. And it turns out these are like world-class courses, either locally or in other countries or whatever the case may be. So I think there is an element of that that is the plus side of this, which is that if you have a home that truly is does offer an amazing guest experience, but no one searches for your area, no one searches for your location, or not no one, but you know, not a lot of people search for your location, then you may get more visible in an update like this because you're truly offering something that is a experience, which is of course what Airbnb has leaned into a lot with some of this marketing. On the flip side though, I, I do wonder like, is that again what most people are going there doing? So some of these categories too are very broad. Like you pointed out some of the more esoteric ones but things like just beach, for example, or there was ones in there that I think one of the categories is, is chef's kitchen, like a lot of properties, higher end properties have a kitchen that probably a chef could work in. And then then they have the more narrow ones. So I kind of see where they're going. Like I said, I think the Optimistic view would be, hey, look of these people who had these awesome homes but no one was seeing them. Now they can, now they can get inspired, now you can find something new. But I feel like most people go to Airbnb, speaking personally, and we already know kind of where we're going if we're looking on the platform, right? Like we're going to Disney, therefore we're gonna book a property in Central Orlando or, or Central Florida, maybe in Orlando, maybe you know, somewhere nearby. So that's where I think maybe the hype of what it could be versus what it actually is, I think don't necessarily match up perfectly.
1: Right. The other thing that I want to mention personally, I was a little bit confused. I think we discussed this before, but, you know, I did a search. I went in Cognito and I did a search for Aruba just to see what would happen. So I clicked on a category. I clicked on beach and then I typed in Eagle Beach Aruba. And then what was happening is I'm getting Aruba, Curacao, Columbia, Bonaire. And then I'm just, I feel even more confused <laughs> because that's not where I want to go. <laughs> right.
0: And and for those who aren't familiar with the area, these are totally different countries. It's not yes. like you put in Eagle Beach, and they were showing you a different beach, maybe beach or something like that. They were putting in, they were saying, like, go to an entirely different country, like get on an airplane and go stay this listing instead of this listing. And these right. even these markets aren't similar at all, too. And we, we've looked at some of the community feedback on various Facebook groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I've had some conversations from folks that we work with. And it doesn't seem like this has been a good thing for a lot of people, right? There's been some there's been some people that have lost a lot of visibility with this update.
1: Right. I mean, I've looked into some things. And for instance, there's someone, for instance, said, you know, seven listings and no bookings since the upgrade. Someone else said, you know, 13 listings and mine's not getting any bookings at all. That's kind of what I'm seeing in a lot of the groups is everyone is just complaining that they were getting bookings. And then all of a sudden, when the change happened, now they're getting no bookings. They don't see themselves in search. Someone else was complaining. He said that he... Um, signed in through his friend's Airbnb to do a test to find his property. And he said when he was searching, he found his property at the correct price. And then when he signed in with his friend's name, their screenshots, the price almost doubled and that's not his rate. So he was also mm-hmm. extremely confused. So I'm just seeing a lot of a lot of strange things going on, I guess, at this point.
0: Yeah. And this is um, <laughs> anecdotal feedback. I haven't tested this, um, nor have any of the clients that we work with tested this quite yet, but I just mm-hmm. saw this literally about a day ago, which is some people said it might make sense to pause your listing temporarily. There's like a mm-hmm. pause or snooze listing inside mm-hmm. of um, Airbnb. And I saw this on Reddit. So I think it was the Airbnb host subreddit. I saw this posted. And there was, again, some, to be clear, I haven't tested this, don't know if this will actually provide a positive outcome. But if you're getting no bookings, I do wonder if it's worth trying because the sentiment that some people were posting in some of these Reddit threads where like it kind of resets you and like puts you at the top of the list again or at least higher up in the list again so that people can see your property and what it has to offer. So, you know, test at your own peril. We're not giving you advice in that regard because we can't back it up with data that that is actually a good idea. But mm-hmm. maybe something to try if you've truly gone from, you know, three, four or five bookings a week to zero, you have very little to lose by pausing it for 24 or 48 hours and then retrying it again. Um, But man, what a what a tough change for folks, you know, who are relying on that income. And clearly, you know, some of the people that I've seen their listings get suppressed. It wasn't like these are bad listings. Like in the SEO world, for example, Google makes updates a lot. And we focus on that world personally, um, when it comes to thinking about content, thinking about optimization. And sometimes the sites get punished by Google by the algorithm, they should have got punished, right, that they weren't good sites to begin with. And they were sort of cheating the system a little bit. But in this case, some of the properties that I see getting suppressed are awesome properties with, you know, 30 40 50 five star reviews, some even super hosts, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like it's a fair to be honest with you to change things that drastically for people who have been good stewards of your platform. And to really remove their bookings from, you know, a handful a week to zero really puts people in a tough spot, you know, when it comes to Airbnb.
1: Right. I also, you know, it was interesting, I was doing some research, I found there was something that Chesky had said, and he said, we don't know with 100% certainty how this product will work. We're confident, but the point is we're still wanting to take the risk to make a huge change that will probably affect the sector. And if it turns out that unintended things are happening, and they will, we're going to adapt the product. We're not going to put our head in the sand, so we don't know how this is going to work you know at this point it's kind of trial and error and everyone's just seeing what is going to happen for sure
0: so, yeah, I get it. I get where he's coming from. Look, like, when you're the CEO, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to try new things. If you never try anything new, you can be put in a tough spot. Someone can mm-hmm. come up and, you know, kind of take some of your market share away from you. Um, but, you know, it's easy for Chesky the billionaire, I suppose, to sit there and say, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to change things and we might kill your bookings. And, you know, whoops is kind of, the you know, the sentiment, which he has every right yeah. to do. I'm not necessarily criticizing him in that way. But it is one of those things where I think the broader lesson here, if you're one of these people who were impacted very negatively by these Airbnb changes, is the... Um, this is platform risk. This is the definition of platform risk. We've talked in the past about, hey, you could get kicked off Airbnb, right? They could suspend your account at any time. And I feel like in the past, when we've told that to people, they've kind of nodded their heads and go, yeah, that could happen. But they don't necessarily take it in. Although in this case, I don't know of anyone that got kicked off the platform because of this update. This is the same sort of risk profile that might occur. Airbnb could decide to make a bunch of changes, your property can kind of get squeezed out of the fold a little bit. And this leaves you in a very vulnerable position. If you don't have other booking sources to rely on, you know, at least even having another listing site, at least being able to rely on Verbo here and get a little bit more visibility there, having maybe your own website, obviously having the ability to get some direct bookings, having an email list. These are all things that people who maybe got unfairly impacted by this update. Could be doing right now if they had some of these uh, things at their fingertips. So maybe you know, in the short term, I feel bad for some folks that lost a lot of revenue and a lot of bookings from this. Hope it returns for them as soon as you know humanly possible. But you know, the broader lesson, if you take a step back and don't panic and think, okay, what does this teach me about my business? It teaches you that you need to have um, some diversity in where you're getting bookings from. Ultimately, having a handful of properties on Airbnb or one or ten or hundred, it doesn't really matter. If all your revenue comes from one place, you can sort of get caught into this algorithmic. Uh, test, which may or may not be favorable for your business. And like I said, there's been plenty of stories that we've heard over the past little, you know, few days, week or so that have indicated that this does sometimes, you know, this, this has been negative for a lot of people out there.
1: Right. And in your opinion, what would be the best thing to do? I know you've said, you know, be on other platforms. So what would you suggest? Maybe like Verbo, anything else? Obviously, you know, probably direct bookings. What else do you think?
0: Yeah, I think those those make the most sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. So Verbo, I, I really almost feel like it's a two-horse race. I mean, we're speaking at this from a very, I'm speaking of it from a very US-centric viewpoint. I think if you're in Europe, you know, booking.com makes a lot of sense. And, and there's some inventory on booking.com in the US for short-term rental, vacation rental inventory. I can't think of a single client that I've worked with that's getting more than two, three, 4% of their bookings from other sources, like other channels, other than the main two of Verbo and Airbnb. So it feels like a two horse race right now in the US as far as the OTAs go. And then yeah, ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to being able to get direct bookings, being able to get your own bookings is always going to be the channel that you control the most, right? No algorithm is going to take away your past guest list if you've been diligent in collecting it. No algorithm is going to take away your ability to communicate with them. No algorithm is going to, you know, delete your website off the internet, right? You own it, you host it, you control it, etc. So. So I think, again, for, you know, those people who have been put in a tough spot, that makes a lot of sense to me as a way to be able to take a direct booking, you know, have a, a marketing platform that you can use yourself and leverage and get more visibility from it. And, you know, I think that's good practices anyways. But if you've been unfairly impacted by this stuff, then more than ever, you know, be doubling down on it. And that's sort of combined with the flip side of this, which is like, there does seem to be a little bit of a, a demand lull right now was reading an AirDNA study just yesterday where they were kind of agreeing with that. In leisure markets, let's just say it straight, right? 22 is not gonna be 2021. There's gonna be significantly less demand in some markets here in summer of this year than there was in last year. So I I don't think that we should also, you know, not stick our heads in the sand on that fact either. You you may be dealing with a a sector or a region or a category where there's been significantly, you know, increased amount of supply. So if there was 4,000 properties in your area last year on these listing sites, Today, there might be 6,000 because people saw this gold rush and they rushed in. That's one Mm -hmm. side of it. So more supply. And then on the flip side, demand might have fallen in that market as well. Um, You know, some of the specific markets where I think I've seen this, like Gallenberg comes to mind as one specific market, the Smoky Mountains, absolute phenomenal demand last year. This year, still good demand, but not nearly what it was. And there's more homes, right? So or more cabins, I should say. So that puts people in a tough spot as well. When just going back to economics 101, when supply uh, goes up significantly and demand either stays the same or goes down, there's just less overall bookings, less overall demand to go around, that's going to impact folks negatively as well. So the top few properties are always going to do well, even in a pretty bad market, you know, uh, outside of things like lockdowns and things like that that we've experienced. But even in like a lower demand season, the top properties will still get bookings. But if you're not one of the top properties, and you're kind of in that meaty middle, and you're not doing any other marketing than being on one or two listing sites, I think that does put you in a more vulnerable position than you could be otherwise, if you're investing in some of these other things that we're talking about. All right, Alessandra, So switching gears, because we, we could talk about like the demand side and the category side for a long time. Um, what's your take on some other features they announced? So the next thing I saw was split stays. What's your perspective on that? And what are split stays?
1: Well, the split stays are basically showing you two different homes. So basically, if you're, say, you're a remote worker, right? And you want to, you're going to, you want to travel. You have, like, 30 days that you want to travel. So basically, Airbnb can will show you two different places that you can stay at. Basically, they have the same features, the homes, but they could be in two different locations. So I thought that's cool. That's kind of giving you a little bit, you know, if you want to travel and you're a traveler, it's just showing you different options, which I think is nice. So it's going to, you know, split two properties. You get to actually see two properties on your screen and you kind of get to decide if you want to stay at that location or another location. So I think that's pretty cool I really like that especially we know people are still working remotely I think personally I think it's going to continue and it might become more people working remotely so we know that people now like to travel and work at the same time so they're having workations (laughs) and this is a great thing I think for that so I think they're they're trying to focus more on longer stays as well now so this is part of that
0: yeah, I thought this was cool. This isn't something that I would have predicted they were going to go down the mm-hmm. path of. I would have, if uh, before the announcement, I would have predicted, as a lot of other people did, that they would have gone more in the direction of like a monthly subscription type thing. I think maybe that still could be on the horizon for them, where mm-hmm. you pay like a flat fee and then you, you get to stay in a certain type of home, you know, every month or every few weeks or something like that. You know, what Chesky says is that people live on Airbnb, that's becoming more and more common. He talks a lot about longer term stays, things like that. At the conference I was just at, the VRM Intel conference, Jason Sprinkle, from Key Data Dashboard says that in his data set, he doesn't see that. He sees like the average um, stay length going up a little bit in some markets, but in his data set that he has access to, he doesn't see a lot of these, um, you know, longer term stays really being some massive trend. So I think there's, depending on what type of market you're in and depending on what type of property or guest you're attracting, I think you can have very different experiences. If you have like a townhome in a major US metro, I I think you're going to be very different than like a traditional leisure market that's around a beach, a lake or a mountain, and you're going to get different stuff there but ultimately I think this is a cool feature if you're Mm going to go for a longer trip being able to kind of see like here's the difference between the two I think could be positive I I don't really know as a host if you're going to need to do anything differently to kind of prepare for this if anything hopefully for some destinations that are very weekend focused or weekend occupancy is great midweek occupancy is typically very low We see this a fair amount, I think, with some of the markets that we're in that are least leisure markets where weekends are booked, weekdays are open. Maybe this could provide a little bit of a boost where people want to go somewhere for a week and they'll spend the weekdays, you know, at this market where there's low demand, lots of availability, rates are usually a little bit more favorable, and then they'll spend the weekend of a, you know, week-long trip somewhere else. So I think this is a positive change overall. Hopefully, they'll release some data at some point about, like, you know, where people are booking, you know, how, the, how often they're using split stay functionality. But um, I thought this was a fun one. I thought this was more mm-hmm. positive change as far as giving people some new filtering search options. And ultimately, if you're Airbnb, you're sorting through a lot of inventory. So if you can pick ones that are the best for certain types of people, I thought this was overall a good thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's also a good way, you know, as a traveler, it's kind of removing an extra headache that you don't have to switch. You don't have to, you know, continue to search and say, "Okay, I need this one and then I need a date for this. So I kind of like this. It's just, you know, removing a headache from a traveler and showing you other things that maybe you wouldn't have thought of, you know, staying at before. So I really like this.
0: Yeah, right on. Um, So moving along into the third announcement, as we move on from split stays into air cover, I think they've they've talked a lot in the past about their coverage for hosts. And I've heard certain things that haven't always been the most positive about what that host coverage actually means, what it actually covers. I've certainly heard some stories of Airbnb paying out and, you know, a guest causing damage and the host being able to do something. But this is on the other side, isn't it, right? This talks a little bit more about guest booking a property and then getting some protection from... You know Airbnb to make sure that property is what they expect. So what was your take on air cover? And also, what is air cover as it relates to this announcement?
1: So basically, air cover has four parts to it. So one is a booking protection guarantee. So if a host cancels within 30 days of check-in, Airbnb is going to find the guests a similar or better home. Then they have a check-in guarantee. So if you can't check into your home and the host can't resolve the issue, um, they will again find you a similar or better home for the length of your stay or they'll refund you. The third is get what you booked guarantee. So if you're anytime during your stay at the property that you booked, you find that it's not as it was advertised. So they had an example, you know, if a refrigerator stops working and the host doesn't fix it, you'll have three days to report it. And then again, they'll find you a better place to stay or they'll refund you. And the last one I really liked is a 24-hour safety line. So basically it's a a phone number that you call and if you ever feel unsafe, Um, they're going to access you to specially trained safety agents all day. So I thought that was very interesting that they put that in there.
0: Yeah, of each of these different pieces, I think I have different sort of thoughts on each of them. So booking mm-hmm. protection guarantee, ultimately, I mean, no host wants to cancel. I think right. if there happens to be like a guest person listening to this, like no host wants to cancel, right? A host wants that money and they want that revenue coming in. So if they cancel, there's probably a really good reason for it. You know, property get damaged or, um, you know, so maybe inclement weather coming through or they're selling the property or something like that, right? So no host wants to cancel. But if you do, yeah, it's a, ho- it's a horrible experience for the guests. Let's be honest, right? Um, Especially if you've booked it really far in advance, it's a high demand season or a high demand area, you know, losing that, that opportunity to stay in that property um, within with low or no notice is a horrible feeling. So being able to say, Hey, we're going to go and try to find you something better or similar um, and make sure that you're. So we're going to try to find you something similar to what you've actually chosen or what you've, you know, what you've booked. I think that can hopefully be a positive thing. And certainly I hope no host is canceling willy nilly. That's not my experience at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Having been in this game for a little while, usually if the host does cancel, there's a really good reason for it. But on the guest side, knowing that kind of Airbnb has my back a little bit and they'll try to find me something similar or better, um, I'm assuming for the same rate. And I think that's overall a positive change. Now, as we head into the next piece, the check-in guarantee you know i i don't see that as necessarily a major major issue i don't i don't hear a lot of these things now as opposed to maybe i when i did back in 2014 when i got started in the space and people were still picking up keys and long mm. lines you know to actually yeah. get into properties i think now with kind of this revolution of keyless lock type type environments and codes that you enter in when you're checking into the property. I don't know if this is necessarily a massive issue that's going on all the time. But hey, if it does happen, you know, and you can figure out a way to put someone in a property that they can actually use, then hopefully that's a good thing for guests as well. So I feel similar about those two. Um, Ultimately, if you're the host, if you're a property manager, it's up to you to deliver a good experience for your guests and um, not canceling on them last minute and letting them check in the property seem like some pretty low bars that any decent host and decent property manager should be able to clear relatively easily. Now, as we get into the get what you book guarantee, I'm not so sure about this one. (laughs) I think there's a a lot of nuance in here, obviously, and we'll see kind of how Airbnb does this in the real world. But let's be honest, like Airbnb is very much playing the middleman in this scenario. And in the past, they've shown consistently that they tend to side with the guest in these, you know, in these situations. Um, You know, certainly we learned that with COVID. We've learned that in in the past, where there's been disputes or problems from a lot of the clients that we've worked with. If it's kind of, they're not really sure if it's 50-50 they're going to go on the guest side and they're going to maybe make sure that revenue is taken away from the host. Um, you can't say the same about some of the other platforms out there like Verbo, and my experience and the experience of the clients that we work with. So, you know, just reading this example that you gave very quickly, a refrigerator stopped working and your host can't least easily fix it. Um, we will refund you, meaning the the host is refunding you, and Airbnb just, is just sort of strong arming them in the middle. Um, and they have three days to report some of these issues. Which, I mean, for some stays, that's the whole stay. You know, three mm-hmm. days is the entire stay. So you can maybe check in, state the property, find something wrong early on in your stay. You know, maybe document it, maybe send one message. Wait until the day you check out, and then say, "Oh, there was, you know, some issue," or "Oh, I didn't, I didn't, this didn't get resolved," and get a refund. That that makes me a little worried, certainly, if people kind to go in there abusing it. And unfortunately, I think most ninety-something percent of guests are awesome guests, and they mean well by your property. They're just there to have a good time. But there are some people that take advantage of the system. So by putting the system out there and kind of allowing a guest to come in and say, "Oh, they didn't easily fix my issue that I found," and they get a full refund in that in that sort of scenario. Scenario. I, I, I worry about this one a little bit. I think some bad things could happen. What's your What's your thoughts, Alessandra?
1: Oh, I feel the same way. I mean, it, this is an easy an easy advertisement for <laughs> for people to just you know um, get a free vacation, like a free little stay, right? So, um, I think anything can happen with this if people, you know, this was highly advertised people can see this they you know you can go to the website and it's easily seen so you know the new air cover is very guest centric. Um that one is probably the worst one I would say. I agree with you. <laughs> so I don't know what's gonna happen with this one because it is it's true. You know you could come in the first day. A lot of stays are three nights. I had that a lot at the condo. Three night stay, four nights stay. Um And anyone can say, hey, the fridge is broken and, you know, they leave and then they stay there for free. So, yeah, I mean, this is another one we have to see. I think out of all four of these, I really just like the last one, the 24-hour safety line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the only thing I'm really uh, liking about this change here.
0: Yeah, and, and hopefully, you know, obviously Airbnb customer service uh, type reps, again, you know, depends a lot on the quality of maybe the rep that you get and how they want to mm-hmm. take care of your issue, whether you are a host or a guest. But, you know, certainly if someone does feel unsafe, I mean, having the ability to reach out to someone mm-hmm. who can hopefully solve the issue, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, the only, I guess, thing I have on it is unsafe. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if you stay in a neighborhood that's not the nicest neighborhood in a city, what's considered unsafe, someone just looking at you the wrong way, maybe hearing, hearing noises, hearing a gunshot, I don't know. So that's my only thing. It's like what, you know, there's a lot of people out there nowadays who will say they feel unsafe about things that um, you know, so-called microaggressions or things like that. I, I guess I'm not sure exactly what, like, sort of environment would trigger this feeling of unsafeness. But right. hey, look, if someone's ultimately in a negative situation um, as a guest and Airbnb is there to try to resolve that issue or get them mm-hmm. to a safer place or something like that, and there's 24-hour availability, I, hopefully that's only a good thing. And hopefully if something bad were to happen and they can prevent it, then kudos to Airbnb for that one if it does actually help, you know, solve solve real problems that might occur right. for sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, of these changes, we talked the most about categories. I'd like to maybe circle back to categories real quick uh, before we depart, because the most common thing that I feel like we've gotten questioned on so far, as far as the core uh, guest to copywriting services that we typically <laughs> offer our customers is, well, how do I, you know, well, let me read this real quick before we get into that, which is, um, this is the quote from the press release or from the page on Airbnb's website, quote, listings are evaluated on Airbnb by using machine learning to analyze titles, written descriptions, guest reviews, photo captions and other data, end quote. So again, our uh, service offering here um, at Guest Hook, one of our core service offerings, is this writ- professionally written property description. And one thing that we do for you is write your title, your description, uh, your photo captions. Obviously, we don't write any guest reviews or anything like that. But the obvious question would be, well, my property is beachfront. My property is ski and ski out. My property mm-hmm. does have a grand piano. How do I make sure my property gets fit into that category based on the description? So I think my take on it, Alessandro, right now is that we just don't have enough data. Um, obviously, we've only written, you know, maybe a handful of descriptions and got them live since this change. It's been pretty recent, but I think this is an area that we here at Guest Hook are going to keep a close eye on and kind of see what's going on in that space to see if there's certain tricks of the trade, I guess, for lack of a better uh, term, to s- mm-hmm. make sure that our clients that we work with and your property, if you're listening, um, gets put into the proper category. So I think that's more research on our side and more testing on our side to work with um, you know, the listings that we have the opportunity to collaborate with and those hosts and managers on and see if we can kind of learn what actually gets someone placed into the category. But when I hear machine learning, that, that kind of makes me think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of algorithms working behind the scenes. So I would say my initial reaction to it is you better make sure your description is Filled out. You better make sure your description talks a lot about yeah. what your property has to offer, the proximity to certain things maybe that you might mm-hmm. want to get placed into. For example, golf, if you are near, near golf courses, make sure that's known in your description, right? Mm-hmm. If your property has a creative space, like a garage that you've, you know, altered and made it so people can you know, do creative things in there. But the painting is the example they give in the category. If that's a market that you actually can attract with your property, make sure you talk about that in your description. So I think it's it's certainly a good time for folks to be thinking about their description and how they might want to update it and make sure that it is complete. A lot of, I think, what we do, have been doing here at Guest Talk is taking people's kind of half-done description, descriptions and taking them from maybe a two out of 10 in terms of complete completeness to a 10 out of 10. And certainly we've seen some positive feedback from our uh, clients and customers on that. But what's your take on it? Is there anything else that we can do in the short term or a host listening can do in the short term to try to influence Airbnb?
1: Well, I think that too. I think, you know, like you mentioned hosts should really be looking at their property descriptions and their headlines because you know uh, they're sitting here and they're you know they're machine analyzing descriptions the titles the guest reviews as well photo captions so don't forget about those photo captions make sure you're writing your captions you know if you do have anything in these categories i would say you know put it in your photo captions uh, make sure it's visible in your photos i think that's very important so that's the thing is you know i think People need to really take a look at their descriptions and really look at the categories as well. See what categories you fall into. Make sure you're mentioning that into your descriptions, like you said, of course, in your titles as well. So I think, again, we don't have enough data. We don't know what's going to happen. So this is all basically trial and error at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward.
0: Yeah, I love that bit on photo captions. I think that's one of the most skipped things that we see mm-hmm. with the, with the opportunity descriptions that we have written is that people throw up awesome photos, in some cases very high-end, very professional photos, and they kind of go with the idiom of a photo is a picture is worth a thousand words. may be true in many cases, um, but ultimately the words are something that a sort of uh, machine learning algorithm can sometimes latch onto a bit easier, um, easier to analyze text if you're a robot, right, than, than an image. I know there's new technology out there where that can occur, but obviously if you talk a lot about what the photo contains, it's almost like in the SEO world there's alt text, which if someone's using a screen reader, they can put Put you know their mouse or finger on an image and see what it actually is. Um, probably not a bad idea for hosts to be considering how they kind of give Airbnb this data in the form of photo captions. So love that piece on photo captions. Obviously, we've been writing, I don't know how many you think we've written at this point, Alessandra, thousands oh. for for our customers um, for yes. for a while. But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a renewed focus on photo captions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with this new update and making sure that your property is listed in the right way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to recap really quickly, Airbnb categories, we spent the most time on that. I think that's a huge change. Again, maybe not necessarily for the better for everyone, but, you know, we'd love to hear your take on it. If you guys have any feedback, um, certainly feel free to give us a, you know, give us a shout on social or email us info at guestbook.com. We'd love to hear about it. Splits days and air cover. So those these three updates, um, I think, are pretty large, specifically the category one. We'll see where Airbnb goes in the future. Um, you know, I think Chesky's already admitted he's not afraid to make changes. Um, he's not, it's not business as usual over there um, at Airbnb. So yeah, really glad to have this opportunity to talk about these updates today, talk about how it might impact hosts and managers around the world. Um, Any departing thoughts, Alessandra, before we let folks go for today?
1: No, I think, you know, this is it. We're just gonna, we have to see what's going to happen. And I said, like you said earlier, you know, make sure you're on other platforms. You know, direct bookings are very important. Don't just rely on one thing because as we're seeing, um, there's a lot of, hosts that aren't happy right now. So it's just, we're going to have to see, you know, we don't know what's really going to happen here. So it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm, you know, I'm watching these groups, I'm reading these hosts comments and it's just, I see a lot of unhappy people, which stinks, which stinks. So, you know, you have to think about your business and what's going to be best for your business and think about other things you can be doing. So something to keep in mind.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if one thing that we've, if we've learned anything over the past two years, it's that change is constant, you know, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's the things are going to change sometimes, most of the time, I would argue outside of your control. So um, it's not always the strongest species that survives. It's the most adaptable, right? Isn't that Mm -hmm. what Charles Darwin would say? So if you're out there and you're not surviving or flourishing in the way that you want, maybe you need to be more adaptable. So I think that's a reasonable note for us to end on. Thanks so much for everyone who's listening. Really appreciate uh, any sort of reviews that you're able to leave. Check us out over on all your major podcasts, apps of choice we love a review if you got any value from this episode we will have a new episodes more episodes coming out in the future so again thanks so much for your time and attention and we will see you on the next episode